right, you hear that 808? Means one thing. Canes are in the win column. Feels good, 5-1. and one. This is the Morning After Podcast. This is Better Duck on the Better Canes Podcast. How's everybody doing this morning? It's raining out. I hope that rain's not going through, uh, through the microphone. How does it sound? I am the host, the producer, the engineer. That's all I got. Let's see what we can do about this uh, Virginia game last night. Let's see what we can talk about. I was not very vocal uh, the week leading up to Virginia because I absolutely hate that matchup for the Canes. I've hated it for over a decade. The Canes should not play Virginia. But since we're in the sorry ACC that we should have dropped out of, the Canes are going to have to play him. It's a horrible matchup for Miami. I explained it a little bit on Twitter last night. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time and you don't follow me on Twitter, I got a couple of accounts. You can listen to the podcast account. That's at Better Canes. But my primary Twitter account is at Better Duck. B-E-T-T-E-R-D-U-C-K. And I was talking a lot last night or tweeting a little bit last night about how much of a horrible matchup it is for Miami because they're two contrasting styles and programs. Virginia is big and smart and experienced. And Miami is small. I don't want to say stupid, but not smart. And youth. So you have big, smart experience versus small, fast, stupid youth. And that's what we get. And Miami runs into these teams that are senior-laden, junior, fourth-year junior, fifth-year senior-laden teams. And Miami always has a team full of freshmen and sophomores. And that's fine and dandy at the kickoff uh, return position or punt return position or whatever. But that's just not solid football. Um, putting a bunch of kids out on the field, especially at the lines. And that's where it was most obvious last night was Virginia's defensive line just ate Miami's offensive line all night continuously. And I know there were some decent runs. It's And Miami's credit that they're able to make plays with young guys against these old dudes. Imagine how frustrating um, – Imagine how frustrated Virginia felt last night, the way the game started off with, uh, you know, the two huge Miami plays right off the bat, 7 nothing lead with 28 seconds left in the game, or 20, 28 seconds into the game, I should say. And Virginia playing that same hard-nosed style, we're bigger than you, we're going to lean on you, and we have a lot more experience than you. Bear with me here. I'm trying to engineer and drink coffee and wake up at the same time. But like I was saying, last night, uh, Virginia comes out. They're really experienced football team. They're really smart, and they're really big. They had a kid out there with six foot ten, six foot ten football player. So Miami comes out there, and they're small. This has been my gripe for years on Twitter and recruiting and everything. Like, I don't get excited over four- and five-star recruits that are five foot nine. You know, I'm into guys that are 6'2 and 6'3. And it shows when Miami plays a team like Virginia that just recruits size and experience. And those are two 
factors that are just a terrible matchup for the Miami Hurricanes. They always have been. Boston College is also similar. They're tough. They're smart. And they're usually big. They had that big running back a couple of years ago that just trounced Miami. Miami was like diving at his ankles like he was uh, Vince Young. And he wasn't Vince Young. Okay? So, last night you had... The two contrasting styles, big, smart, and experienced versus small, fast, stupid, and youth. In the first play of the game, Amari Carter gets thrown out of the game again for targeting. Hey, do you, man. Do you. Don't ever change. Seriously. Because you're like a throwback from, uh, you know, Brandon Merriweather and uh, Malcolm Pearson and these guys, these headhunters that Miami's had for all these years. Don't change. Don't listen to the coaches. Just go out there and get thrown out of every single game you play in. You probably get drafted high. I mean, what a shame. That kid, he can't stay in the game for more than a a couple plays? What's going through his mind? So Virginia had to be happy at that. Like how they got a Miami guy to commit a targeting, a starter to commit a targeting penalty on the first play of the game. First play on defense. Let me pull up the, some stats here. Bear with me. I'm having coffee. It's Sunday morning at 11.30. I see from the reactions on Twitter that a lot of Miami fans were disappointed in the offense last night. Not to brag, but on the fours up uh, prediction thread, I think, what did I predict? 17-13? Maybe 17-14? Something like that. So I was only a couple points off of the total. I love the guys that are out there. You know, 45-3, 41-6. They don't have a grasp on reality on this football team, especially this particular matchup. You know, like Miami matches up much better with Florida State and Virginia Tech than they do with Virginia and Boston College just because of the contrasting styles. Now, if Miami had a senior-laden team, I would take the contrasting styles in Miami's favor every single time. If you have speed versus size, we know that. Size wins. But Miami's problem is is they can't keep any experience on the team. All the best players on the team this year are going to be gone after one year. That doesn't happen at Virginia. Guys don't leave after their junior year at Virginia unless they're first-rounders or second-rounders. Guys don't just declare to become undrafted free agents or practice squad players at Virginia. They stay, and that's why they have experienced guys. Did you see that linebacker they had last night? What was his name? Zandier? He had 10 solo tackles. Or he had six solo tackles, 10 total. One sack, two tackles for losses. That dude's on fire. He's a senior. He's 6'3", 230. He's going to be playing on Sundays. And he ate Miami's offensive line and running backs up last night. And I know people want to believe like, oh, wow, uh, the Rooster is five stars and all these guys are five stars. And I don't know what that Zandier kid was. What? But experience counts for a lot. If you're in your fourth or fifth year playing and you're playing against a kid that's in his sixth game ever, a true freshman, it's just a huge bad matchup. I remember Golden... He also faced a similar situation. Was it Kansas or Kansas State? Colin Klein. 
I think was the quarterback's name. That dude's like 30 years old, married. Every dude on the team is a fifth-year senior. And they went out there, and they just ate Miami's lunch. They just put him right down. And the saddest thing about last night, I understand some of the disappointment in the Canes fans' uh, perspective from last evening on Twitter, and it's probably going on. I haven't really checked on Twitter this morning yet. But guys want this to look like um, a scoring machine. They want it to look like Clemson, where Miami can hang up you know, 50, 60, 70 points on anybody, and that's just not going to happen. Not when you can't run the ball. Somebody asked how confident I was going into last night's game, and I'm never confident if, unless I'm confident in the running game. And since I'm not confident in the running game, I'm not confident in the offense. With that said, this was a big win for Miami last night because previous Miami teams had quit under that type of a strenuous game, just a scrappy. That's what Virginia does. They want to play super aggressive like that on defense, that doofus coach they had with the jutted jaw determination, Bronco Mendenhall. What a goofball. Am I coming in hot? I'm adjusting recording levels and everything here. Let's look at uh, Virginia's game plan last night. And it was to swarm the line of scrimmage to take away the running the running game, of course. That's the easiest thing to do against Miami is stop the running. I saw one highlight last night where I guess it was the right guard just got thrown into the backfield. Like got thrown into the backfield right into the running back. And I'm sure that was a senior. I don't know what that was that DJ Scaife? I don't know what year he's in. But that seems to be an ongoing thing with him. Like, that's not going to change. All of a sudden, he's not going to become a road grader. You know, this offensive line struggles big time, and they really struggle when they play a big defensive line. Not necessarily speed. I mean, they, they Virginia negated a lot of uh, Phillips and Roche's speed last night because sometimes... The big man can just stay in front of the faster guy. And I sympathize with the frustration that the Miami fans were feeling last night. On the other hand, Miami had a breakout wide receiver last night. Woohoo! That's what everybody loves. Mike Harley, 10 catches for 170 yards, one touchdown. Long of 43. I think that was the touchdown, right? Will Mallory, two catches for 58 yards, a 20. I don't know what happened to him last night. Did he get injured too? Pope, three for 48. D. Wiggins, three for 36. It's just crazy how this team is able to do stuff. (laughs) And they finished with 322 yards passing. Only one touchdown. King was 21 of 30 for 322 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. If they had an interception last night, they'd have lost. If the Miami would have turned the ball over, they'd have lost. So really the difference in last night's game and the previous years is Derek King. Because with another quarterback, Miami loses that game last night. If you have one or two turnovers, it's, it's done. You just don't have enough possessions. And my new dog, I put it out on Twitter last night, a lot of people liked the post, was Don Chaney. 
The Wolfman, Don Chaney Jr. No relation to Lon Chaney Jr., but I call him the Wolfman anyway. He had 10 carries for 43 yards, 43 tough yards. But the best run that he had last night was goal line. When he got stopped at whatever the two or three yard line and continued to pump his legs. Now we know that the pace had Virginia exhausted. Excuse me. Those kids are tough. Those Virginia kids, they wanted that to stop that kid at the goal line. And Don Chaney, who was a freshman, who was pretty, who was getting hit hard all night, persevered and ended up standing up in the end zone on second and third effort. And that's a real running back. I don't know what happened to Cam last night. Eight carries for eight yards. I saw he tweeted some nonsense. I don't know what that's all about. I don't have time for it. King, 14 carries. That's way too many. Way too many for 28 yards. A quarterback does not need to carry the ball 14 times. And the Rooster had 12 carries for 37 yards. Just the running game wasn't there because of the offensive line. Now, there were some broken plays, and some kids did get outside and made some people miss a couple of times. But for the most part, the Virginia defensive line owned the Miami offensive line, and that's not going to get fixed. You can't fix that in a week or two weeks or off a bye week or something else. So look for that to continue. These other teams are going to crowd that box. They're going to put seven or eight in the box, and they're going to overwhelm the offensive line because the offensive line stinks. I can't do anything about the rain coming through. I keep pausing a little bit because I'm having some allergies this morning. I don't want to sound like a a sniveler on the podcast. I have enough technical difficulties just trying to get this thing recorded. So, yeah, it was a, for offensive-minded people and people that wanted to put up 40 points last night, it was uh, it, I could see it being disappointed. I wasn't disappointed at all. I thought it was a a scrappy, hard-fought game where Miami persevered in the end in a game where they normally quit. I mean, they were hitting. I mean, there was some... uh, There were some hits going on last night. There were some weird calls. For once, a couple of calls went in Miami's favor. A couple sideline passes went in Miami's favor that usually go in the other team's favor. I don't know somebody reported, maybe it was the Beast or somebody, that the uh, referee was a Virginia referee, lived in Virginia. And then the rain, of course, is another big factor. I know nobody wants to hear it. Meanwhile, these are the people that sit in their car to avoid getting their hair wet for two seconds or have to have an umbrella when it's sprinkling or put on full grundins because it's a, a Florida, South Florida afternoon thunderstorm. But not easy. I don't know anything about um, Derek King's hand size or anything or, you know, his how well he throws the ball in the rain. I knew one trip into the red zone, I saw Miami didn't attempt any passes and came up short. Right? They didn't throw any passes. And I thought, like, oh, wow, that's really sending a... uh, sending a message to the offensive line like we trust you and the offensive line didn't get it done. And I don't see where that's going to get fixed because that doesn't get fixed even next year with recruiting because freshman offensive line don't do anything. Sophomore offensive line don't do anything. So I don't know where the two big guys are on this offensive line. I guess they redshirted the left tackles. 
well, the, the right tackle and the left tackle. The right tackle became the right guard. Like, dude, if you're a giant dude, 6'5", 350, or 335, whatever these guys are, 6'6", six, six, you're a tackle. You're not a guard at 6'6". Six six. The big boy can't put his hand on the ground. So, yeah, Miami is, for the time being, is going to be deficient against a team like Virginia. Or like Clemson, because Clemson has both. There's, I guess there's three different types of, of quality recruits you can get. You can get big and fast, four and five stars. You can get big, four and five stars. Or you can get small and fast, four and five stars. And that's where Miami is right now. Miami's getting small and fast, highly rated recruits. And Clemson is getting big and fast, highly rated recruits. And when they meet up, you see what happens. Big and fast beats small and fast. Almost always. Especially when they're equal talented. What's been masking deficiencies and failures in Miami recruiting for the past 15 years or so is that Miami has... Always the ability to get a strike from anywhere, score from anywhere, player on the field at any time. So where Golden's absolute failure of recruiting and coaching should have lost him more games, players like Duke Johnson bailed him out with kickoff returns and long touchdowns from broken plays, which mask how pathetic the offense actually is. I think the same things happened. I didn't see a lot of difference last night between Rhett Lashley's play calling and offense and the previous uh, offensive coordinator, Enos. The big difference is one of them has Derek King and the other didn't. But the inability to run the football is a wholesale failure. Wholesale failure. And you're going to reach a low ceiling. You're never going to progress past a certain point if you're unable to run the ball on first and second down. And I don't like running the ball out of the shotgun. I don't like uh, draws or delayed handoffs, especially against aggressive defenses that are stacking the box. I mean, you can make like one guy miss or whatever, but it was hard for Miami to even get back to the line of scrimmage last night on so many runs because the defensive line is in the backfield. The offensive line is unable to hold their blocks for even one second. So it's hard to tell what we have at running back for some reason. Uh, Don Cheney Jr. seemed to have the hot hand and found a couple of creases and got some yards. But, boy, they were tough and few and far in between. And that's not an easy fix. Another thing I'd like to address is I put it on Twitter last night. Maybe I can get Ro, Ro Mershanti from the OBB, Orange Bowl Boys podcast, a great podcast out there. Ro is doing the best video breakdowns in the game right now. So find him on Twitter if you're not and subscribe to his YouTube channel because he really puts it out there. And I'd like him or somebody else to explain to me the, what the benefit uh, is of throwing the ball at or near or behind the line of scrimmage. Those east-west passes to the boundary where the wide receiver is waiting on one block and getting no blocks and dropping the ball. I think Pope dropped one or two last night, and it just seems to me like when you throw the ball near the line of scrimmage, the defense stays at the line of scrimmage. There's still 11 guys basically in the box. You know, the 
two uh, two corners or a corner and a safety go out to the boundary route ever to guard that pass. And it's, I, I, I get it. Like, okay, if one guy misses, it's a touchdown. But they didn't miss last night. Now, Miami couldn't even catch the ball because Miami's not good at 50-50 balls. And it seems to me like that east-west pass is always a 50-50 ball unless you have a dude out there like, you know, Andre Johnson that can just pancake somebody on a block. And Miami doesn't have those kind of receivers. I should probably look up the sizes of these receivers. I know that a couple of you guys that listen to the podcast um, think that I don't know anything about football because I don't have the roster memorized. (laughs) We're still going on that. All right, let's look at some Virginia um, stats now. Like that quarterback, that dude was really annoying. Was he not? He ran it for 91 yards. He had 15 carries. I mean, a real defense. And on Virginia's side, too. You knock out a quarterback that's going to rush the ball 15 times. That dude, they should have been dragging him off the field. But when Amari Carter gets thrown out in the first play of the game, that's probably a result of that. I saw everybody's favorite safety last night uh, whiffed on an arm tackle on a long run. Maybe he was tired. But yeah, Armstrong, 16 of 30. That's kind of weak. 181 yards passing. All right. Six-yard average, but he had two touchdowns. 73 QBR, 73.4 QBR. I'll never want to see that dude again. Pull him up. He's a sophomore, 6'2", 215. He looks a lot bigger than that. He plays bigger, too. He's thrown six interceptions. He didn't throw any last night. Miami couldn't get any turnover last night. Like I said, the margin for victory was so slim last night that if Miami had turned the ball over even just once, they'd have lost the game. Rushing the ball. Armstrong, the quarterback, was their number one rusher. Miami didn't really have an answer for him. That's what happens when you have... Those Jason Taylor type dudes at the end that just basically play one style of defense, which is get after the quarterback, and then he breaks containment, and those dudes all of a sudden that is not working for you no more. Tuala Papa, 10 carries, 56 yards, 5.6 average. So Virginia doubled up Miami on uh, rushing average. They rushed, uh, they had a 5.3 average. I think the Canes had like a 2.6 or something, 2.5. Yeah, 2.5. Man, that is weak. I just can't get past that. And it's not getting fixed. Now, the benefit in Miami's favor is I don't I don't think they're going to play another defensive line. I know this is sound like a broken record. Oh, Clemson's defensive line. Oh, Pitt's defensive line. Now Virginia's defensive line. Like, it's just a matchup thing, you know? Look what Miami did to Florida State's defensive line. And they have, uh, you know, four and five star kids all over the line too, but it's a different matchup. Miami matches up much differently with Florida State than they do with a team like Virginia. Like, just get out of playing Virginia. 
And I thought Miami lost their composure a little bit. I could see a lot of chattering on the field. You don't, you don't run your mouth in a 19-14 to 14 game versus Virginia in the rain. <laughs> you know I mean? There's a time to trash talk. And that last night wasn't it. I don't know what was going on, but that's, that's, that's always going to happen in games where you have seniors playing freshmen. Those seniors, those kids on Virginia have a lot of pride too. And just think about your own experiences. You're going to let some whippersnapper trash talk you or show you up or whatever. It's human nature that the older guy is going to get mad or aggravated at a young person that's getting the better of him, even if the ratio was not that far off. You know, the Virginia guys would make, you know, three out of four plays, but the one play that the Miami player made gashed them for 20 or 30 yards. Whereas that wasn't happening so much with Virginia, even though they had the the rushing average, it didn't do anything. You got to give Miami's defense a lot of credit, a lot of credit to holding Virginia to 14 points. Like, nobody is holding people under 20 in college football. I mean, it's a big deal to hold somebody under 20 points. Syracuse scored 21 on Clemson. NC State scored 21 on North Carolina. Tennessee scored 17 on Alabama. Iowa State scored 21 on Oklahoma State. Indiana beat Penn State. That was a crazy ending. After seeing that, I was like, oh boy. Like, Miami could have been in that position a couple more seconds on the clock, and Virginia would have been in a different position. They really blew it. That Bronco Mendenhall with jutted jaw determination. The guy that believes in a pushing a wheelbarrow or whatever the hell he's into. Like, dude, get out of here. It, I say it like every week. It's 75 bucks to get a name change if you don't have any warrants or liens. And to go through life with the name Bronco Mendenhall? Sit down. Minnesota scored 24 on Michigan. A big win last night was Notre Dame over Pittsburgh. You have to think if Pittsburgh just folded after Miami last week because they're now they're on a four-game losing streak, and they're not that bad. So looking ahead to November 6th, Friday night, Miami against NC State. I don't know anything about NC State. I just think of a chesty uh, Chuck Amato there with the wraparound mirrored sunglasses and the gold chain. But NC State's ranked. They're number 23. Miami should be moving up inside the top 10 of the rankings, which is a joke because Miami's not a top 10 team, not even close. Nobody's a top 10 team if you can't run the football because if you're going to play anybody in the top five, you're going to get stomped out not being able to run the ball. Maybe Miami will be able to run it next year, but not holding out a lot of hope. I'm just not seeing um, anything encouraging on the offensive line. It's not really a knock on the running backs. Running backs in college can break tackles. This isn't the NFL. I also don't believe in the whole uh, 
Manny can't get the team motivated and fired up after a bye week. I think that's a coincidence. I think just the team is what it is. I don't think the bye week has anything to do with it. I don't think the bye week contributed to Miami losing to Clemson. I think it would have been a similar score had Miami not had a bye week. So it's a convenient um, coincidence for people to think, oh, wow, the team always comes out flat after a bye week. Well, they seem to come out flat no matter what, even not after a bye week. I mean, they come out for Florida State, and that's it. They didn't come out fired up last night. They came out a little fired up on offense. I think that's more to Derek King. But left on the schedule is uh, two weeks Friday, so less than two weeks. So it's not even a full um, bye week. Then Miami has Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Brutal. Virginia Tech's ranked. That's going to be a very tough game. Then Georgia Tech, who's 2-4 and and unranked. That game's to be determined, so that'll be on ACC Network for all 16 people that get that. ACC Network last night was advertising fake Flex Seal tape, like knockoff Flex Seal tape. How many above-ground pool ruptures are you dealing with a week? Because I'm dealing with none. The amount of times I wish I had an underwater sealant uh, to make a quick patch of a foot-long gash and some sort of rubbertized apparatus is zero. I mean, there were some really weird commercials on the ACC network last night. Some little $15 plastic potato peeler and carrot peeler. Like, do you people, you can buy all that stuff at the boat show that's coming up in Fort Lauderdale either this weekend or next weekend or sometime, you know? You can get that, the unsinkable floating hat for $45, um, the little boating keychain that floats, those neoprene things you put on your glasses so in case they fly off your head, they still float. All that shit's for sale at the boat show, including the potato peeler, carrot peeler, whatever that piece of junk was. I mean, I am just every week like a broken record. I am about this deal that the ACC made, not knowing the outcome of the distribution how could you enter into an agreement not knowing that the Comcast was not going to carry the network? Comcast is the largest cable provider in the United States, NBC, Universal, Comcast. They own Universal Studios. They own NBC properties and library, all that stuff. The stuff that's on TV, the losers that have TV shows on in America whether they are pawn shop losers, whether they are people with failing restaurants that are willing to give up all their dignity on television for a makeover, to people that buy and flip houses, to fake house hunting, where young couples in their early 20s that are unemployed are looking for a $4 million loft. And Miami can't get on television. They're stuck. Like who else is not on television? And doesn't have the chance for pay-per-view. And by pay-per-view, I don't mean signing up for a $65 YouTube package or a $59 Hulu package, which is, I, I love how the people that have cut the cable 
are almost like vegans in their eagerness to tell you that they've cut cable. Like anybody that's cut cable is busting at the seams to be able to say that they've cut cable almost more than people that don't even have televisions will quickly inform you that they don't own a television. Like in any conversation, if you're like, oh, did you see the game last night? Their first reaction is to, oh, I don't have a TV. A great conversation, right? Go sit in the corner, face the corner. Talk about reading Wuthering Heights or whatever you do in the evening. And for the, what is that, the school president? No, athletic director or the official message coming out of the University of Miami Twitter account to put the onus on the fans to call Comcast. Are you kidding me? Like, that is such an insult. That is such an insult to the fan base to be like, well, we understand that many of you Comcast people don't get the ACC network, so maybe you should consider switching cable providers. <laughs> well, these, these dopes, this guy, I don't know who crafted that message, but they should be... Uh, Punished for not knowing the reality of the situation. First of all, many people in South Florida lives in, live in condos or homeowners associations that are locked into contracts with cable providers. Not everybody lives in unincorporated ranch where they can just quickly throw up a satellite dish and get AT&T or Dish or Direct or whatever else. People live in condos. They live in developments that enter into contracts. <laughs> Bad contracts that the local governments and stuff are paid off for. You know, it pisses me off to no end that most of the doofuses in the world, many of you are on Twitter, many of you guys tweet this stuff nonstop, are much more interested in national politics and caping for a presidential candidate than you are for local politics that actually mean something in your life. You know, these cities and municipalities enter into agreements with the cable companies that are binding. You either have Comcast or you have nothing. Or you go with a Internet provider, in which case it's Comcast, and you get the apps like Hulu and YouTube and all the premium apps, which is no guarantee that your cable company won't throttle you for using more bandwidth. You think they want to lose that? They don't. When you call up and you try to cancel cable, they're going to try to keep you on the phone for as long as you want. Now, I can't cancel cable. It's not an option for me. Not right now. I work in television. I need to have access to all the channels where shows that I work on air. And I'm able to see them all. You know what I mean? I worked on uh, Billy Corbin's new documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's on HBO. It's called... 537 votes it's about the 2000 election i worked on that i can without subscribing to hbo i can still get it i can pick up an hbo subscription for a month i can't pick up an acc network subscription for a month or just for the football season that's an epic fail in the year 2020 it's just a horrible horrible deal and buying a 50 or $60 supplemental package from YouTube or Hulu is a disgrace. That's not happening to anybody else in college football, and it's not happening to anybody else in the entertainment world. You can get whatever you want. The one thing, the one constant, the one thing that's keeping your cable bill as high as it is, is live sports. If you don't watch live sports, you really don't need cable. 
You can get your programming other ways. You can get it from Apple TV. You can wait and buy DVDs. You can download it from Amazon Prime. You can wait until seasons are released if you don't need to watch it in a timely fashion. You know, I don't know what the hot show is right now or whatever that everybody's watching, but, you know, something like Game of Thrones or whatever, you just wait until the season is released digitally and then you you can binge watch it or whatever. I guess the big one that everybody's um, everybody just watched was Cobra Kai. Heads up, nobody bought YouTube to see Cobra Kai, so they waited until it became on Netflix. I guess that's an option. I guess we could wait a year for the ACC network to release these games. And the saddest part about it is the networks or the conferences that are traditional football powerhouses, the Big Ten and the SEC, I get those. Those are included in my cable package, of course, right? Like, why wouldn't the SEC? Because the SEC is not cutting a deal not knowing whether they have the largest cable provider in the United States are going to carry their network. And I realized that at first they didn't, but those games are all on. And I have no problem with a game like UAB or, you know, Miami playing some small school being an obs- on an obscure channel that nobody gets or whatever. But Miami versus Virginia at 8 o'clock at night at Hard Rock, that needs to be on a real TV channel. These people that are running the University of Miami and the ACC do not understand new media in 2020. They don't. I said it last week on the podcast. If the doofus presidential candidates can get their town halls scheduled within one week, two weeks, they're like, oh, the debate's canceled Uh, quickly. Scramble. Get a network to pick this up. One of the dumbest things Miami did was jump into this ACC. Miami is in a unique position. They have a nationwide brand like Notre Dame, not as big as Notre Dame, but not that far off. And Miami could have remained an independent and struck their own TV deal on a broadcast network, on an over-the-air broadcast network to carry, you know, eight of their 11 or 12 games. And you know how many ACC titles it would have cost us up until now? Zero. None. So it's just bad planning and foresight by the powers that be at the University of Miami. And the fan base suffers because of it. A poor TV deal where, what is this, the third or fourth game, the third game this season that hasn't been available to most of the people that live in South Florida. Comcast is the dominant cable provider here. And it's a slap in the face that the administration and the athletic department is putting it on the fans to negotiate with Comcast instead of them doing it. So that's going to do it on this morning after podcast this Sunday morning after a a good win last night against Virginia. I know a lot of you are disappointed. A lot of the offensive freaks are disappointed that we didn't put up 40 or 50. On Virginia, but I actually prefer winning low-scoring games, tight games, because it's a learning experience. And every game's not going to be a blowout. There's something to be said for winning a close game, and Miami did last night. They kept Virginia out of the end zone. They held them to 14 points. That's a big deal. Especially nowadays. Everybody goes up and down the field scoring. There's no defense. 
And for Miami to hold Virginia to 14 points, that's a win. Conversely, the inability to run the ball consistently on first down is a severe, severe problem for the program. You know, to repeat myself, it's not going to get fixed anytime soon. Miami might find some success running the ball against teams that don't have such a dominating front four or front seven. But when they do, they're going to have a serious problem moving the ball. And just be thankful that we have this quarterback, De'Eric King, for this year. I know people are, you know, hope speculating whether he's going to come back or not well here let me end the speculation for you nobody comes back okay ed reed came back that's it and since none of the players i mean when you when you're young you make poor decisions you know that's why we don't let people drink until they're 21 or get a rental car until they're 25 or whatever because young people are poor decision makers and it seems like the last 10 or 12 guys that have left early from the University of Miami have all made poor decisions to do so. And it's not, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. And if you think that Bubba Bolden or Phillips or D'Eric are going to come back for the 2021 season, like I hate to disappoint you, none of them are coming back. It, and they, they can look to other players. I mean, I know that the agents and everything are in their ears and their family are in their ears. But I wish more of them would listen to former players that left as juniors and regret it. And it's almost to like 100%. When you talk to NFL players or guys, you never hear from the guys that didn't make it in the NFL because they're inconsequential. And you never hear from them ever again. But guys that did leave early, that you know, went to the NFL and had limited success or big success or whatever, they're almost to 100% agreement that, oh, wow, I should have stayed for my senior year. Like, you know, one of my regrets is that I didn't stay in college for another year. And as you get older, you know, these kids are in their young 20s or whatever. When you get 30, 40 and on up, looking back, it's just like a no-brainer. Like, dude, do another year of college. Like, are you that crazy to be able to drop out of college for an $8,000 check to be on a practice squad. I mean, I'm going to, you're not going to deposit that check. You're going to cash it, right? It's $8,000. What are you going to do? You're going to buy a PS five. You're going to buy a pair of $300 jeans. You can't really buy a badass necklace. They cost more than 8,000, but you can get like a starter necklace for 8,000. You can't get a nice watch. You can buy a couple of bottles at the club. And depending on what club you're going to, you can get a you know $300 or $500 bottle or a couple of them. You can go nuts at the strip club. But that's it. That's as far as $8,000 is going to carry you. And you have to think there's just a lot of regret from these kids leaving early. And I just wish that Miami had some seniors or fourth-year juniors on the team in important positions because it would make so much difference if the kids that left early last year 
including Rousseau, who didn't play this year. But who left early last year? DJ Dallas. He's getting no play in Seattle. None. He got like one carry here in Miami against the Dolphins. I think Pete Carroll just did that to throw one to the fans down here. Jeff Thomas. He's not, I don't think he's on a roster, right? He didn't even make a practice squad. I could be wrong. I don't memorize NFL roster practice squads. And Rousseau. I think the team would have been a lot better with DJ Dallas and Derek King together. I think that would have been a hell of a dynamic to see. And it just would have pushed it back one year, the earning potential. Like everyone, oh, quick, you're going to jump to your second contract. Dude, these aren't that type of player. These guys are barely making the rosters. They're not like in the position to be able to negotiate their second contract a year early. Are you nuts? They're doing everything they can just to stay on a roster or a practice squad. I mean, The Rock and his ex-wife are coming out with the new XFL, right? One of those games there. Jeez. <laughs> They'll probably never even have a full season playing, and The Rock will make millions by just selling merchandise and selling the rights, worldwide rights. I mean, he's so hot right now that everything he touches turns to gold. Who knows? Maybe the XFL games will be on the ACC network. I bet he don't make a deal like that. Rock knows more about Hollywood and the entertainment business and contracts and distribution and worldwide rights and licensing than the president of the University of Miami and the athletic director. Rock ain't putting out movies and TV shows that are unaccessible. He's got probably the number one team right now in Hollywood. He's the, been the biggest box office draw for five years. He doesn't make particularly great movies. He doesn't make classics. He just works. Take a movie like San Andreas, right? It wasn't great. It was a, you know, a disaster, universal pictures type disaster movie. Didn't do super great at the box office. But a couple months later, it's available on cable, on Comcast. People watch it. They licensed it. The movie's making money it'll continue making money forever how the hurricanes ended up on the acc network with commercials for fake counterfeit flex seal tape <laughs> and the irish potato peeler what a disaster anyway i'm going long here thanks anybody that listened this long um what do i got for you i, I don't got much this podcast is brought to you by the Coastal Conservation Network, the CCN. We held a call to action. This is all about cleaning the waterways. We held a call to action last night at Mirando Farms in Davie, Florida. It was a huge success. It was outdoors. People were socially distanced. They were dancing to redneck music. Ricky Valido, a, a local country artist, he played, and a lot of people got together. Check it out, the Coastal Conservation Network, the CCN. I'll be putting up a QR code on my Twitter. If you're listening to this podcast as a Canes fan that don't know me from Twitter, follow me at Better Duck. I also have a Facebook group for the podcast that's getting zero traction. 
And that's, I think, Better Cane's podcast on Facebook. Facebook sucks. But, you know, whatever. And I've also been putting up the podcast like a day late or a few hours later on YouTube on the BDS Mobile channel. I don't know how it shows up in search, but search BDS Mobile, Better Duck Studios Mobile YouTube channel. It's one of my YouTube channels, and I just throw up the audio from the podcasts onto a video so the guys that can't quite figure out how to get podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, all the other services. I don't know whether I'm on Amazon yet. Somebody, a lot of people have been telling me that... Um, Amazon's doing podcasts now. I don't know whether I have to set up an account there or whether Anchor's going to push it out automatically. I should probably do a little bit of research. But thanks again for listening to the podcast. This is one of the worst podcasts. This is probably a boring one, which also uh, coincides with the game last night, which was pretty boring. I'm not fired up. I'm not raging today. I would have raged after a loss. I would have raged hard had they lost that game last night, and they almost did. You cannot give the ball back to an offense that's down by less than a touchdown with any time left on the clock. The fact that Miami couldn't run out that clock, that's a bad indicator. I mean, that Virginia team, they were washed last night. By the end of the game... They were beat, but they were still able to stop the run when Miami just needed to run the clock out and not punt the ball back. My more serious Twitter is at Better Canes. At Better Canes on Twitter. That's it for the social media plugs. That's it for me on this Sunday morning. I drank too much coffee. Now I'm going to watch the pathetic NFL. It's pouring raining out. Go Canes.